listening to Affect Autism, where Affect is the number one tool we use in supporting child development through playful interactions. We Chose Play is a new series documenting my family's floor time journey. You can see the preview on YouTube, and you can register to watch the extended trailer for free at affectautism.com play, or just go to wechoseplay.com. With each episode, you'll glean insights, tips, and reflections, what I learned and what I know now that I would tell myself back then along the way. I hope it will support caregivers in their floor time experience. We chose play. We have joy every day. Welcome listeners, viewers, readers. I am Daria Brown, and this is Affect Autism. And this week I have a new guest, autistic self-advocate Terrell Burgess who is the Executive Assistant and Diversity Advisor to the International Council on Development and Learning since late last year. He also presented at the 2021 ICDL DIR Floor Time Conference last November about his story and his book that he wrote called What's With the New Kid? My Autism, My Story. Welcome, Terrell. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Well, it's great to finally speak with you on the podcast and introduce you to the DIR floor time world. Uh, today, we'll, we'll talk about your experience and we'll talk about your book and why you wrote it and about the book. And then we'll talk about what brought you to ICDL and okay. what your plans are going forward and how you plan on um, making an impact in, in the world with ICDL. So, uh, yeah, thank you so much. And why don't we start with your story, uh, growing up autistic and what was the experience like that led you to want to write the book and maybe you can hold up the book. Okay. Um, so yeah, this is the book, uh, what's with the new kid, my autism, my story. And, and if you could tell, yep, that's me. Um, that's 10 year old me, uh, on the back of the book, uh, front of the book cover and um, really the inspiration came about a couple of years ago. Um, I was a couple of years removed from, um, graduating college cause I went to college for, uh, and I got a communications degree and, um, after graduating college, I, I decided, you know what, I want to do something to also like send a message, uh, for those who are on the spectrum. You know, because look, when I was younger, um, specifically when I was uh, three years old, my parents, um, they were advised by a doctor that um, I would be lucky enough to even finish high school. But uh, um, not only did I finish high school, um, I also graduated college, like I mentioned, um, and I even graduated with honors. Yeah, not only did I graduate college, I ended up starting my, my own business, which is called TMR publishing. It's a nonprofit organization. And um, actually, uh, my book and my business actually drew the attention of Jeff Gunzo, who is the CEO here at ICDL. He was the one that noticed my book and he wanted to speak to me about doing a um, live reading um, here at ICDL. And that's how I ended up getting the job, actually. So, um, And I've been here ever since. And I'm loving every minute of it. That's wonderful. And, and I know at the conference, you actually went through and read the book. I was I wondering if, and, and I put up a screenshot of the book on Amazon, mm -hmm. if people want to order it in the blog post, I'll put links to it. And okay. I'm wondering if you can sort of highlight aspects of the book or anything you want to highlight today you can feel free to read a passage if you want, or just talk about it, whatever, whatever you want. I will say this, this book is mainly, no, it's not mainly, it is about my life as a fifth grader at a new school. Cause um, heading into the fifth grade, I had only taken uh, special needs classes. My parents felt like I was more highly advanced and wanted uh, to put me in a regular school um, with classmates who aren't like me. Um, it was hard at first. It was very difficult at first, but I ended up making new friends over the course of the school year. And I even taught them what it's like to live with autism as well. So um, that that same lesson helped me throughout uh, the rest of my school life and moving forward. 
can you talk about the role that your sister played? Oh, my sister, she's, okay. Um, when it comes to my, uh, my relationship with my sister, like our relationship is, it's literally inseparable. Like we're, we're a year apart, um, but we graduated high school the same year. We graduated college the same year because she skipped a grade. Um, and, but my sister has always had my back since the beginning. You know, she's always supported me in everything that I've done and I've done the same thing for her. And, um, you know, it, it's, it's great that not only do you have your siblings uh, supporting you, your family supporting you, but, but she's, she's been there for me ever since the beginning. And, uh, and I'm super proud of her too, because now she's in medical school and, um, and there's no doubt in my mind that she's going to be a, a, a great neurosurgeon one day. So. Amazing. And yep. I imagine, uh, maybe you had a lot of influences on her that she probably talks about a lot as well. Actually, I'm glad you mentioned that because um, I believe it was last year, you know, we were just having a regular conversation and sometimes, and I would tell her that, but in a nice way, of course, I would tell her how much I envied her because she was just so smart and knew and was always getting like very high grade and stuff like that. But the one thing, but she told me, she said that Terrell, this whole time I was just trying to be as smart as you, which was kind of, it's kind of threw me by, took me by surprise. I'm like, wait, really? And, but then she said, no, it's true. Like, I wish I knew half of the stuff that you know. I mean, uh, because she said, and she even told me that I had a gift that other kids don't have. And that's why I look up to you so much. And not gonna lie, it kind of took me by surprise. And I was just, I was honored to hear those words. Um, and so uh, my sister even said, Terrell, um, you, you know every state capital in the United States and every president who's ever been in the United States, it's the truth actually. So, um, you know, I just, uh, hearing those words, I, I was kind of surprised, you know, because because Brie, because my sister, I don't think she's ever gotten a single bad grade, and I would always tell her how smart she is and how much she collects herself and stuff like that. But when I hear the words that you know, this whole time she's been trying to be as smart as me, not only did it, it, it took me by surprise, but at the same time it just let me know, you know, she's always had my back and she'll always continue to have my back no matter what. So, um, and so I'm, I'm really happy to have my sister. I love hearing that because <clears throat> what I want to make sure this podcast is not is, oh, look, here's an autistic person, this poor autistic person who had this diagnosis who triumphed and succeeded, right? Isn't that often the story that we hear on the news when okay. we're saying, no, autistics are among us. We're in society. We're just as valuable as everybody else. And everybody has their strengths. Right. I always, and you know what? I've said this before. And I'm going to say it again. People on the spectrum are just as smart, if not smarter than uh, others realize. And I've made that argument for so many years. I'm still making that argument today. Um, a lot of people who are on the spectrum have accomplished a lot in their lives. Um, I mean, I, and I'm a prime example for that. Um, but really, uh, what this book is about and what my business is about is me being a voice for those who can't speak up. And, and so that's why I, um, that's why I wrote this book. That's why I did this business and stuff like that, because this is bigger than me. I want people to read this book and especially parents uh, to read this book and just think, you know, if he was able to accomplish all this when others thought he wouldn't, then, then I know that it's very, I know that it's possible. I know that it's possible for my child to do this uh, because, because this guy has been doubted many times throughout his life because of his diagnosis, but he just kept, he didn't let it affect him. He just, he just kept going. So I want people to read this book um, feeling motivated. Right, and I, I think that's great because as parents, 
we're often told this, you know, tragic story, like, oh, your child has been diagnosed with autism. And, you know, for so many people, it's such bad news. And you think, oh, no, uh, my child will never do all these things in life. And, and right off the bat, you're looking through this lens of deficit. And instead, if we can look through this lens of difference, um, yes, your child may do things differently than other kids, maybe even develop slower in some areas than other kids, but they also have strengths that other kids don't. And I know um, one of the things that I enjoyed was the story, the reading from your book about the baseball stats. Can you tell mm -hmm. that story about when you were listening to your classmates? Oh, yes. Okay. <laughs> so here's the thing. Um, when I was young, I got into um, a lot of sports because me and my dad are two sports fans. You know, I... Um, the main sports I watch are basketball, football, and baseball. And um, in fact, if I could find the passage, I'll, I'll uh, I sure, can tell you. Sure, that'd be great. Yeah. Um, because I grew up watching baseball and yes. my brother yeah, knows my every baseball statistic there is. He has no diagnosis, oh. uh, but, but he, it reminded me of my childhood and I just loved it. So I'd love it if you read that passage. Baseball. Baseball. Yeah. So um, when it says that, okay, so Demetrius would tell Kareem, Deion Sanders played, did play some sports, football and basketball. And yes, it did bother me because, um, you know, it, like it, it inspired, like that passage was inspired by an actual conversation I had with, uh, with my friends when I was younger because I knew, because I knew who Deion Sanders was and I knew that he played baseball and football not basketball and football. So yeah, it did bother me when he, did, when he didn't get those right, get, get that right. And so, you know, I would tell, even now, like I would tell uh, people certain like statistics about what happened and what, and they would look at me like, how did you know that? And so like, I was just, I mean, what can I say? Like, I, I love watching sports and, you know, I, you know, I can tell you, what year each team either like won an NBA Finals or a World Series or stuff stuff like that. Like, heck, I can tell you, um, you live in Canada, right? Yes, and I grew up on the border of Detroit. So do you know what okay. year the Tigers won the World Series? 1984. Yeah, <laughs> yes. 1984. <laughs> and I can, oh yes, and oh yeah, and the World Series trophy went north of the border twice, actually. At 92 and in 93. Yep, the Blue Jays. I wasn't yep. even born yet, and I know that. So <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, th those certain things, you know, I just, some, that's what actually helped me um, make friends, you know, because I, I can tell them certain things that I know that they didn't even know. And I would just say, I mean, what can I say? Like, I, like I know myself, I do my research. So, um, you know, that, that's how I ended up making friends. That's how I ended up making friends that day and uh, moving forward. Uh, th those, those little conversations are based on the stuff that you like. Absolutely. Uh, you know, uh, so many autistic kids have incredible memories. Um, my son, as a, a younger kid, was so into trains and he knew every type of train. A model train would be going around the track and he'd see it across the room and he'd say, Hudson or uh, Pacific or whatever type of train based on the steam trains wheel configuration. He knew exactly what type of train it was. And, and, um, you know, people were always blown away that he knew everything in such detail, but that was his interest, right? He loved it. Right. Now he's into well, Mario Kart. He can tell you every single Mario Kart character that there is. And there's like hundreds of them. <laughs> oh, I can, I can do that too. Probably not as much as him, but, um, <laughs> But I, I can do that too because I mean my sister has a switch, so um, you know that's and and I grew up playing the Nintendo sixty four, so uh, that's how I would know. Well, we use that um, interest in Mario Kart to fuel his learning in so many ways. Whether they're doing math problems at school, basic math problems, because he's he's right. um, at a very basic education level, but. 
he's you know learning all of these different things and motivated mm -hmm. by relating it to Mario Kart characters. Otherwise, you know, he doesn't seem to have interest and then you relate it to something he likes and it's a great way to fuel learning. Right. Right. So I'm curious, um, what did you think about ICDL when you first learned about it and were offered was offered a job? Um, did you what how much have you learned about DIR floor time and what resonates with you? Because I imagine that you probably hadn't heard about DIR floor time before working here. That's a great question. And to answer your question, you're absolutely right. I knew nothing about floor time before I, before I um, got this job. Um, like I said, when my, when my book first released, um, one of the first people to reach out to me about the book was Jeff. Um, uh, he's my boss. He's currently the, the CEO here at ICDL. And at first, we were meeting about possibly doing a live reading. But then, um, apparently, I don't know what I said, but um, apparently, because here's the thing, I like to talk a lot and give, give, give a lot of information. So um, I, I guess that day, Apparently, I, I impressed Jeff so much that I ended up getting a job here at ICDL. It, it was, I didn't know what my role was at the beginning because I, mean, I was working part-time uh, at the time. But, you know, over time, you know, I, I even took a course, uh, DIR 101, and that that was my introduction to full-time. And so, um, you know, I would um, see, like di like, different videos about, parents and their children with autism and how they would um, help other children uh, with these with these basic lessons um, and, and help them like navigate uh, throughout the day. And so when I, the more I learned about Four Time, the more I became more invested in it because I realized, you know, this company basically has the same uh, values that I have because as someone who is on a spectrum, you know, the autism community means a lot to me. So um, knowing that this company has the same values that I have uh, uh, truly put a smile on my face. And so, you know, back in December, um, when I was moving full time, you know, I basically became Jeff's right hand man. So um, basically I was tasked with, you know, creating certain courses for future parents and uh, learners who want to learn about more about full time and um, and autism as well, and um, actually, my my role uh, in, involves a lot of different things. So, like, if if I could, I would uh, name every single thing that I do, but it's going to take a while. So, I'll just um, I'll just say that you know I'm a lot more involved now with ICBL than I was at the beginning. Um, main and and to begin and to think that this all started because. I decided to release my book to the world and that book um, ended, introduced me to Jeff and um, that's how I ended up here. And I remember you talked about an experience that you had mm -hmm. that really um, stuck with, with me. And that was the experience of being, um, you, I'll let you tell the experience, but do you know which one I talk about where you have that one memory of that one teacher did, did that one thing to you? Yes. Okay. So I believe I was seven or eight. I believe it was one of those ages or is it nine? I can't remember. I think it was seven or eight. Anyway, so that day, look, when I was a kid, I, I was a little tough to handle. Okay. But I remember that day specifically because I don't know what happened that caused this, but I was... I was acting out a bit and they put me in timeout, but in a way that like they grabbed me and and dragged me over to the timeout spot. And I was completely sure. And they were wondering why I was, I'm like, I was crying because, you know, I, I was being dragged over there and I, I didn't, I didn't know how to react because it was just, it was, traumatizing for me and you know i just 
I mean, I may be a, a fully born adult now, but you know, but that, but I remember that clearly because I was just like, in my mind, I'm like, what did I do to deserve like getting dragged by the arm and and dragged over there? You know, I was just, I was completely at a loss for words and stuff like that. But, but if there's one thing about me is that I'm not a person who holds grudges, and like I never hold grudges because. I feel like, you know, as you get older, you know, you, you tend to learn from these things. And, you know, and I think like recently, I think it was like a few years ago, um, I actually tried getting in contact with that school, um, basically thanking them for making me the man that I am today. You know, um, I had those experiences and stuff like that. And yes, those experiences will live with me, but if I hadn't had those experiences, I wouldn't be where I'm at. Uh, I'm at today. So, you know, I, I don't hold any grudges. You know, if anything, um, I, I should be thanking them because if it wasn't for them, I wouldn't be here. So, um, a lot of people have helped me along this road, and um, really, it started at that school. Will that experience live with me forever? Yes, but um, I'm not the type of person that that likes to hold grudges. I just, I just move on and think of a better way to uh, better myself. That's wonderful because we hear from so many autistic self-advocates that they do carry trauma from having severe behavioral punishments growing up and, um, you know, a variety of different situations. Right. But I remember, I believe it was Jeff that, that said um, the ICDL CEO said, imagine as a teacher knowing that that was a memory that you left with a child in your class versus teachers who leave, you know, inspiration um, and good memories. Like I imagine you also have experiences with teachers who really believed in you, despite what other people may have said and really were there for you and supported and guided you along. Right. And I, I definitely have those, those type of people, you know, um, mainly starting with, um, um, by the way, that school that I mentioned, uh, it's, it's called uh, Sawtell Learning Center. I don't know if they're still there or now, but that's where I went when I was um, younger. The thing is, it was a 30 minute commute. I lived in the cities in, in, in New Jersey. Um, it was in a town called Paramus, New Jersey. It was a 30 minute drive from my house. And so um, I didn't really know what to do um, heading into that, but I just, um, I mean, as a kid, you don't really, you don't, you're not prepared um, uh, for these things, like, because you have no idea what you're about to walk into. So, um, but um, if I had to think about, one specific person, though, um, that would be my life, my lifetime, my lifetime classroom aide, um, Gail Velox. I was introduced to her in the sixth grade uh, by my parents. At the time, she had retired from teaching uh, math in Essex County in New Jersey, but she agreed to be my classroom aide. And let me tell you, our relationship was very, very strong. And, you know, she believed in me when I didn't believe in myself. And, um, you know, when we moved to North Carolina, it, it hurt at first because it meant that I had to say goodbye to her because she was still in New Jersey. But um, when I released the book last year, uh, that was the first time I actually spoke to her over um, in person, actually. Well, not really, because it was over the phone. You know, she called me and she told me how proud she was of me, you know, and she um, she let me know that, you know, she was going to be in my quarter. And I think a week after my first book signing, she sent me a, a long like card um, with the money for the book. And she let me again, she let me know how proud she was of me and stuff like that. And I really appreciate that, you know, this book helped me like reunite with her. Because, and 
uh, forgive me for being a little uh, for about to be because I'm about to get a little choked up here because what I'm about to say next is kind of um, that ended up being our last conversation um, because four months after I released the book, um, I learned that she passed away um, at the age of 83. And that was hard. It was really hard. Um, she, because she, she meant a lot to me. And finding out that your longtime classmate who has been there with you uh, through thick and thin is gone. It, it was hard for me. It took me a couple days before I finally had the courage to like speak to someone about this because it was just, it was, it was hard because I wasn't expecting it. You know, at 83 years old, she was still working. And then all of a sudden, you know, um, that's why I always learned to you know, cherish every memory that you have with the people that you have, because you, you never know what's going to happen. You never know um, what's going to happen um, from here on out. So um, that's the one memory that I always cherish and, and the one person that I always say that really helped me along the way. I'm sorry to hear about that, that I can imagine how, how much that affected you. And it's wonderful that she got the experience to see you writing that book and got a chance to read it and got a chance to connect with you before she passed. Uh, that yeah. You'll always have that, which is wonderful. And it really speaks to the power of relationship, the R and the DIR model, developmental individual differences relationship-based model and you know many of the dir experts have said relationships are 99% of floor time right and when mm -hmm. you have that relationship with somebody where you feel so safe and they believe in you it really does help you thrive and i imagine um, you know that that was what was behind everything that you just said was that yeah. you know sense of trust yes and um, the fact that she was a retired teacher, but decided that she was going to help me out, like take some time out of her day to help me out. It just, it just really, I guess the, the one regret that I have is that I wasn't able to connect with her again after that book signing, you know, like there were times where I would just, cause, cause I had, cause I have her number on my phone and I would just think like, 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 should I call her? I mean, but I don't know if she's working and stuff like that. So when I found out that she passed away, I, I was just, the one thing I kept, kept thinking is, you had all this time to reach out to her, and now you're never gonna get that chance. But, you know, my parents just told me, my parents told me to, to not blame myself for this because she, they, they told me to just um, appreciate the fact that I had the chance to reconnect with her again. And that's the one thing that I'll always cherish. Absolutely. And you did mention earlier your parents' belief in you that you were in a special needs placement in the school and they, they thought mm -hmm. you could be in a regular school and, and be in an inclusive environment. And can you talk a little bit about the support that your parents have given you through your life? Oh, uh, they've given me a lot of support. You know, um, Specifically, when I was younger, you know, I um, I've had um, I've had a, there were times where I was what I would even doubt myself, you know. But you know, my parents, uh, especially my mom, you know, she would always remind me that you know when I was younger, um, doc, the doctors wouldn't uh, think that I would be able to do what I'm doing right now, but she but she knew better and she believed that I would be more than capable of what um, others thought I would be um, today. So, and my dad uh, would always teach me about accountability. And so um, I think those lessons like really helped me, especially now uh, you know, being all grown up and living on my own and doing my own thing. It just, uh, it, it really helps out right now. 
uh, specifically. So um, again, all I can say is, you know, I'm just, I'm really lucky and, and thankful that I got to experience all this stuff because again, it, it, it really helped me get to where I am today. And, uh, and I'm super thankful uh, that my parents uh, uh, helped me along this road as well. And I think that's such an important message. And I wonder if you could leave parents who are listening with some words of advice who, you know, I, I facilitate ICDL's weekly parent drop-in, and we've been getting a lot of parents coming in lately. And it ranges from parents of two and three-year-olds who have just been diagnosed, and they're okay. sort of in a frenzy trying to figure out you know, what kinds of therapies do I need to get my child? Um, they're sort of still in shock about the diagnosis, all the way to parents of teenagers and young adults who have either found floor time or have been doing floor time for a number of years and are really invested in this approach and really supporting their child and valuing their child's individuality and unique qualities. And you know, parents are all on different places in their journey and they're always worried about their child's well-being. Mm -hmm. So while you can't speak for every autistic person, you can sort of generalize maybe a few words of advice for parents who are on their journey based on okay. your own story. All right. Now, before I say what I want to say, um... I, I do want to say this as a as an autism as an autistic advocate, I I want to make sure that I use my words carefully because I don't want to say something and then you know some people may take offense. Like I don't want to do that. All right, like that that's not me. And so you know I don't want people uh, to take my words uh, um, for, uh, for something else because that's really not what I'm doing. I'm just giving you um, some very encouraging um, advice. So. Here's my advice. I know it's very overwhelming and scary at first. I get it. My parents get it. My family gets it. Like we all get it. And especially if you hear the doctor tell you certain things that will make you worry even more. But the one thing I want to tell you is that who's going to determine your child's future? Your doctor, you or you, or your child. Really, it comes down to you and your child. You guys are the ones that will decide your child's future, not, not, not a doctor. Yes, the doctor may be very accomplished in what they're doing, but if anyone knows your child better than anybody, it's you. You are the only people that truly understand how special your child is and what they're capable of achieving. My parents, yes, they were told that I wouldn't be able to accomplish all the stuff that I'm doing right now. Well, really, they were told that I would, I would be lucky to graduate high school. But, but look at me now. You know, I'm far along that, than what doctors said that I am. I ended up graduating high school and college. I graduated college with honors, I might add, you know, and, and now I'm spending every single day of my life changing people's lives um, because I went through that experience, because I went down that road. So my advice is the only people that can decide what the future holds for your child is you. If you are strong enough to believe that your child is capable of accomplishing anything, then do whatever it is you can to make sure that it happens. Because your child, they can be in my position one day. Even better, they can impact even more people's lives than what I'm doing right now. You won't know that unless you can sit down with your child one day, let them know that they are capable of accomplishing anything that they, can, that they set their mind to. Because listen, my parents sat me down at a young age, I think it was like middle school, let me know what I was doing, um, let me know what 
my diagnosis was. And, and they also reminded me that I've overcome so many obstacles and I'm more than capable of accomplishing even more obstacles. So I want you to tell your kid the same thing. Don't listen to what others say. You know, others if others say that um, they aren't able to accomplish anything, don't listen to them, okay? Because again, you guys are the ones that will decide what the future of your child holds. And if you believe that they are truly capable of accomplishing some great things in the future, then you gotta tell them that. Continue to motivate them every single day because it will stick with them for the rest of their lives. And they'll be motivated every single day to continue to be great in this, in this world. And that's all I can say. That's wonderful, thank you. And I wouldn't mind adding a couple of things to that from my experience as a parent, mm -hmm. it's a slow, long road. And, right. you know, me, I think being neurodivergent myself, although I'm not sure, you know, what it falls under, if there's any diagnosis or not mm -hmm. to be had, I tend to look ahead and think about every possible thing and then get overwhelmed, right? Like right. being not maybe necessarily overly outwardly anxious about everything, but always in my head worried about everything and sort of trying to plan for everything. And I think I've learned that that's too much. Focus on the day and that's in front of you right now and sort of have faith that the process will work. And so people on their floor time journey um, need to know that you may not be able to see that potential in your child right now, but you can have faith that it, it's going to be there and it's going to come with the process. And, you know, the person who really helped me see that was Dr. Gil Tippy, who also, you know, um, definitely works with ICDL's DIR Institute. And, um, you know, he was the clinical director of the Rebecca School for years. He's been on my podcast many times. You know, he, he looked at my child and he said, the sky's the limit for him. And he's seen hundreds, if not thousands of autistic children, and he's watched them grow and he's seen potentials unfold. And, you know, he's just, he gave me so much faith in floor time to be able to trust the process. And I think sometimes that's hard. So hearing your perspective really helps solidify that too for me because um when as a parent when you're really doing the best you can and seeing the best in your child you're validating that that is going to help the child thrive yep absolutely yeah so thank you for that the question i get all the time is when's my next book and i always say i don't know because i always i need I need to see how this book does first, um, but I do have a synopsis um, for my next book. And if I can just pull this up right here. Oh, yeah, we're here. Okay. I've actually been working on this synopsis for the last few months. Um, so just in case this book takes off, I can um, start uh, promoting this one. So here's the synopsis, okay? A college freshman with autism experiences life on his own for the first time. Throughout his freshman year, he learns more about himself, the people around him, and learns hard lessons about life. This synopsis is for a dramedy chapter book. Talk, and it's gonna be called Maurice. And that's your middle name? That's my middle name. Yep. But it's about a diff, but um, it's kind of, sort of, it's a semi-autobiographical um, dramedy. Um, it's kind of based on my life as a freshman in high school. I mean, in college, kind of not. Um, because again, it's a fictional dramedy. So it's about a college freshman 
who's experiencing life on his own for the first time. And again, he's on the spectrum, so he doesn't know how to deal on his deal with this on his own yet. But throughout the book, he learns a lot of lessons, and um, there there's going to be comedic moments. There's going to be dramatic moments, and you know, I don't know if like well, I'm not going to tell you what's in the book, but there are some moments where they're like it might make you cry i don't know but you know um but that's my synopsis for now um i need to see how this book does first but this is what i'm working on as of right now i would say regardless of how the first book goes write the second book right right i've done i actually did two chapters already um i'm still trying to figure out what to write for the rest of the book, but I've done two chapters. So, um, you know, it's, it's going to take a while, but this is what I'm doing um, for the second book. Um, but I'm still promoting this one, though. But, but I'm just letting you know that I am working on a second book. I wanted to keep it a secret, but I might as well just, I might as well just say it. Well, hey, listeners of Affect Autism, you heard it here first. <laughs> yeah. That's great. That's great. Can you give us an example of some of the hard lessons that you've learned since you've grown up and been on your own? Yeah. Um, mainly, I've learned some hard lessons, though, um, especially as well, because, you know, because one thing I've learned is that sometimes this world, sometimes this world is cruel, you know, um, and also, Oftentimes, when when you get older and you start doing better for yourself, um, you know people who wasn't cool with you back then decides uh, that they that they want to be cool with you now that you're famous. Um, and in my mind, I was just like, well, where were you when I wasn't famous? Where were you when I was just a shy kid who was struggling? I'm like, where were you then? You know. I, you know, it, it's it's very unfortunate because you know I always give people the benefit of the doubt, but um, but you know my grandparents would always tell me that you know, sometimes if you give too many people the benefit of the doubt, they're going to use that to take advantage of you. So, and, and like I said before, I'm not the type of person that holds grudges, but I'm also the type of person that doesn't like to be taken advantage of. So, you know. Yes, it's great to be kind to the world and all that, but you also have to be careful of your surroundings because you have no idea who you're interacting with um, because some people uh, truly want what's best for you and there's gonna be some people that will use um, what you're doing for, for their own gain, which is, which is unfortunate because there, there are people out there who do want, who do want to help you and do want to help you, do want you to succeed. And, and it's unfortunate, but you know, but those are the lessons that you have to learn uh, to to get through every single day. Right, right. Um, I'm curious, Terrell, if you're interested in sharing. We talk about the I in DIR as individual differences, mm -hmm. which includes you know family experiences, culture, and personality traits, whatever. But mainly the sensory processing profile. And are, are there things you've learned about yourself um, growing up about your sensory system that has really helped you cope with the way you interact with the world? Yes. And um, the thing is, when I was younger, I didn't even notice. My parents were the ones that noticed it. But also, I, and I still have this issue today where, you know, you talk to yourself a lot. And you can't help it, but I mean, like, it's just like, you don't know why you're doing it, but you just can't help it. You know, I, I still deal with that. And, you know, oftentimes, uh, especially now, you know, when you get older, you look back and you, and you just think like, why was I doing that when I was, cause listen, I, <laughs> I talked to myself a lot when I was younger and, and, and I still do that now, but oftentimes, you know, sometimes I would make myself uh, look silly and I don't want to do that. 
But, but you know, when you get older and, you know, when I got older, I got to actually reconnect with people that I went to middle school with, high school with. But the one thing they would tell me is they would remind me how nice I was and how much that I've impacted their lives. And I was, and I would be like, really? Like I was just, cause for me, I never try to change who I am uh, just to get someone to like me. Like I stopped caring about how people thought about me. I, I just, I just wanted to be myself. And, you know, when you hear those words that, you know, I was one of the nicest people to uh, ever encounter them in their lives. Like it, it, it really, like it puts a smile on my face and, you know, it just made, but then for though, and especially for those who I went to middle school with, who had no idea I had autism, you know, if they can recall all the times when I was talking to myself, I would remember, I would sometimes, then I would tell them, yeah, I, I have, I have autism. So, you know, sometimes I would do these things and I don't know why I would do these things, but it's something I can't control. Um, and so, but, you know, I'm just, again, those experiences actually really helped me because I can use my experiences to help another child. It, it's funny that you say that because my son, from the second he wakes up to the second he goes to bed, he talks nonstop the whole day right. to himself, to others. Um, when he goes to sleep at night, I can hear him talking all about Mario Kart games that he likes and he's always talking. And so it's interesting to hear it from your perspective. Um, I've also heard that it's very common among neurodivergent people that you talk to yourself. Mm -hmm. um, I think it's probably true for some neurotypical people too. But um, what about movement? Were you one of those little kids that couldn't sit still and was constantly moving or were you more of a calm child? Yeah, I was definitely the, the former. Um, I, I don't know why I was moving around a lot, but I mean, like, it's just, I, again, I couldn't help it. Like, I, I, like, I'm not the type of person that would, that would sit in one place and just like, literally when I was in kindergarten, I think I wrote this in the book. When I was in kindergarten, you know, I would get up and just like move around and stuff. I don't know why I would do that. It's just, it happens, you know, I can't help it. So, I mean, it's, I mean, my parents would remind me years later what, why I'm, what I was doing and stuff like that. And I would just think to myself, why did I do that? But, um, but then they would say, Mr. Sorrell, it's not your fault. You had no idea at the time. You couldn't control it. So, I mean, but again, like those help, those lessons like help you a lot in life. So your body was trying to self-regulate, right? Pretty much. <laughs> the first capacity. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh, that's, that's interesting. Yep. Um, I just wanted to end off with your thoughts about, um, DIR, DIR floor time and the impact that it's having. How do you feel about the fact that Jeff, the CEO of ICDL has chosen to hire a self-advocate to, you know, not only be the diversity advisor, but also his executive assistant and just having impact on the organization that affects the lives of so many autistic people. What does it mean to you that he's chosen a self-advocate um, to do that? Well, first of all, um... I was actually, I was honored when um, Jeff decided to, uh, to hire me uh, to ICDL in the first place. But when he decided to give me this role, it made me even more honored, you know, because now I realize that I have a, a great responsibility um, to not only live up, uh, continue to live up to what I'm already doing right now, but to continue to be the voice of, of people who are on the spectrum while also um giving them giving parents um 
uh, an opportunity to learn more about four time and how uh, our services can really help them and their child. Um, and so when Jeff decided to take a chance and, and, and hire me, um, it, it actually, it meant a lot because it made me realize that, you know, I, I'm, I am doing something right, am I? And that, that's really all I've ever thought about in my life is that, am I doing the right thing? Am I doing all the things necessary to make sure that this, this certain thing happens? That's what I think about all, all the time. So when Jeff decided to give me that chance and, and hire me to ICDO, I made my personal mission to make sure that I don't let anybody down. And I wanna make sure that I continue to live up to ICDO standards and also give kids and parents of those kids a, a reason to, to check out ICDL uh, because of this. So I'm really honored that Jeff decided to, to take that chance on me. And, and I'm super thankful that I'm still here at ICDL because of it. That's great. And I think I should add that ICDL also wants to live up to your standards as well. Um, you know, hiring self-advocates, having Emil Kaus, another self-advocate as uh, a board member and advisor, you know, working with the Autistic Self-Advocacy Network, um, having new courses taught by self-advocates. I think it's really an important part of ICDL going forward. And so having your perspective is just essential to making sure that the training ICDL provides to practitioners is really in line with those values that you said you agree with so well. So um, it is exciting. And uh, will we be able to expect another conference presentation from you this coming fall? Well, if, if, if Jeff allows me to do it, then I'm all in. <laughs> of course he will. Um, <laughs> I guess that means start thinking of your topic and right. uh, it's, it's going to be announced very soon, uh, maybe by the time this podcast airs, the ICDL 2022 conference will have been announced. If not, it'll be very, very soon. So gotcha. Um, thank you so much, Terrell, for taking the time to speak to the listeners of the podcast. And it's great getting to know you a little bit more each time we talk. And uh, everybody can check out affectautism.com and you can look up Terrell, T-U-R-R-E-L-L, -L, and you'll see the blog post with links to his book and other things we talked about. And uh, keep your eyes open for his conference presentation coming up in a few months. I, I really, really enjoyed this interview. And um, I loved answering your questions. And uh, But really, I, I, I really enjoyed the fact that I got, I got to know you better and the audience better. So. Thank you. Thank Thanks, you. Terrell. Until next time, here's to choosing play and experiencing joy every day. If you're a caregiver looking to implement your own floor time approach, please see the parents menu at ICDL.com, the Interdisciplinary Council on Development and Learning for the virtual floor time consultations for parents. There you can schedule an appointment, look at the virtual DIR home program services, and see the weekly parent support meetings registration. We aim to help you implement the developmental individual differences relationship-based model at home, taking into account where your child is developmentally and their individual sensory processing differences within your safe and nurturing relationship to promote and support their developmental potential.